You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Rifters, welcome to the show. Alan Lee is finally back with us. Alan, how are you, yeah, buddy? I am fantastic. Um, I wasn't really on a vacation per se. It was a staycation. I stayed in my apartment. I, I could show you stuff that I have. I have the new Batman Dark Knight. I, I did spend some money on this, but I had to have it. It's Dark Knight. Uh, I have it right here if you want to see it. It's beautiful. I haven't even put him on the horse yet. He rode yeah. a horse. And, uh, you know, I've been uh, watching my weight. I went to a buffet at Westminster, over by you, by the way, last night. And you didn't come visit me. No, no. I, I, was, I ate and I got out of there. Um, Westminster was the first mall I, I, came, I went to when I moved to California. I was uh-huh. in the hotel across the street. And it was fun. I like Huntington Beach. Yeah. Well, you should have come visit me. Uh, this, the, you've missed like four or five episodes and now you're back. Thank so you. like, this is like the jump. I think the last time we had you on was with Tommy Chong. That's correct. Right. I don't know how many episodes was that ago? You, you can't tell me it was four or five. Yeah, it was four or five. You've missed some adventures, buddy. Four? Yeah, you've missed some adventures. But you're here today. Yes, that's all that counts. That's the important thing. Thank you. And right? I'm glad, glad to be here. And I, I've been I actually Did you ever get here. Gary Pusey? I'm still working on that stuff. All right. It's not an easy task. The but fan you know, the fans at home wanted to know if you got Gary Pusey yet. Uh Gary and I uh, haven't spoken for a couple of years, but uh, I know I can get him. He's somewhere in Malibu, I think. And I'll be going up there. You know, I used to go to Malibu a lot for my acting classes with uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Corey. So I know Malibu. So I'll find him. But he lives kind of in the woods and stuff. And I'm not a, a guy that goes out in the woods. Nor yeah. are you. So I don't like going out in the woods. Really well, anyways. Know. It doesn't matter. We don't want Gary Busey. We want Alan Lee. So, Alan, hey, it's good, good to see you again. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of... Kind of disappointed you didn't come visit me yesterday, but Listen, I had that's another conversation for another day. I had to eat and run because I had to go to the restroom, and then I jumped in my car and I was trapped. That's a lot of food. Was there a lot of traffic coming back? No, thank God, because I had really had to go to the restroom afterwards, and uh, foolishly I didn't in there. And that mall, it's a long way. I took some route. That's a gigantic fucking mall. Do you think in the future cars are going to have toilets on them? Why they don't and why they never did is an excellent question. And uh, you Because might, I, you I feel that. that's not just a you problem. I feel everyone goes through that where they're rushing to go to the bathroom and maybe like, you know what I mean? Well, our trip to Las Vegas, remember when a fellow comic, which will remain nameless, although his name is Steven, uh, you know, he had to, uh, he had to do, he had to, he had to urinate. And uh, was it, was it a, was that a uh, big goal? Well, yeah, yeah, but that, that that's what I'm talking about. Is like, do you think cars in the future yes. will have that? Well, why don't they have it now? And, and, and the thing is, is they're afraid. They're afraid to do that because it's yeah. accidents. Not car accidents, but accidents inside the car. Yeah. So say you, you have a kid and he's tied up. A uh, bathroom accident. Yeah, you're urinating and it all falls on your son or your daughter in the front seat there. That's not nice. Yeah, especially if you really loved them. 
Yeah, I know you twisted motherfucker. <laughs> I know you have a lot of a lot of issues. So All right. Issues. So we got a great show going on. Yeah. Our guest is going to be here momentarily, so we got to give him a great intro. Uh, you see him on The Simpsons, Growing Pains, uh, the TV show Make Me Laugh, Comedy oh, wow. Legend. Bruce Baum is going to be here, and he's going to be rifting with us. And he has two new movies coming out, one called Faith Wins, that also stars Rich Little, our buddy oh, Rich Little. Which was, he? Rich loves us. Yeah, Rich loves us. He was on our show, obviously. Yeah. And then his second movie is called Easy Lion with the great Rick Overton, who I interviewed. I think that was one of the ones where uh, you were in New York visiting your mom. But it's going to be great. Two movies, and Bruce Baum is here today to talk about that. Fantastic. He also has hot sauce that he sells. Are you, no, really? Yeah. I'm a big fan of hot sauce. Yeah. What do you like hot sauce on? I like it on my uh, eggs. Uh, obviously, I like it on burritos. Um, I sometimes put it on steak and hamburgers. All right. How about you? I just, uh, whatever. I'm not really right. a big hot sauce no, 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 fan. No, no. I the question. I answer the question. I'm not a big hot sauce fan. I like mild sauce. Hot sauce I can't handle. But if he sold mild sauce, I'd be buying that all day. Unless it's on fries. I'm sorry. Bruce is here. Are you ready to meet him? I am. All right. Folks, welcome to Bruce Baum. Wow. I never thought this would happen. (laughs) He's connecting his audio. That's the one... uh, thing about zoom is it takes a minute for the audio to appear and then the video to appear you're not a software uh, engineer no but that's how it is hey bruce how are you buddy hey, you good happened by too early Look at this. No, no no you're no. right on time we just gave you a no. sweet intro no we had tommy chong one of your friends on uh, last week oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no uh bruce this is alan lee the trusty sidekick glad to meet you i followed you for, since I was a child, I, well, I'm just joking. Uh, well, a long I must time. have been. A ch- I was a child too. <laughs> uh, How's my background look? Because we're oh, oh your your background's fine. We, we don't we don't we don't release the video unless you want us to. Yeah. We just release uh, audio. You know this audio. Oh, I don't mind. I uh, uh, but we're getting the house renovated, so everything's uh, all over the place. Beautiful. No wall hangings are up, so I tried to pick a background that would. Looks nice. I like is that. Those. Okay, that part yeah. is done. I'm really impressed with your hat. I like your hat. Thanks. I didn't know whether to wear it or not, so I may do half of it with the hat and half of it without. Nice. <laughs> we, because, by the way, I do have a full head of hair. This is spray on scalp. <laughs> that way, I don't have to mess with you know hair yeah now, now bruce we, we've been trying to set this up for uh, i would say at least a good six or seven months and we finally got it down Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> That's uh, so- is it, well, I is it- to be able to talk about stuff that i haven't talked about in all the other ones oh I needed to accumulate some time to do stuff and now i've got a full load yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
so the things we're going to talk about is your two new movies that are out. But before I ask you about those, I wanted to ask you, is it easier for you to be interviewed by comics or by regular people? Uh, usually, you know, as long as they they're paying attention, a lot, you know, sometimes people and this goes with radio folks, too. And there's some great ones. Yeah. Done a lot of podcasts. But when they ask a question and they're not listening, they're doing something else. That's not too good. But but generally speaking, uh, you know, it does as long as they're I hate to like favor one over the other, as long as someone's interesting and has good questions and 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 participates in the in the laughter giving and getting, then uh, then I'm good. That's all the same to you, right? Or close to the same. <laughs> Now, the, the two movies that you got coming out, I did my research. Uh, one you told me about, the other I had to go like dig on the internet to find. Uh, but you have a movie coming out called Izzy Lion, right? It's, it's Izzy Lion. The Lion. The Unspun right. Truth. It's out right now. This is why I delayed this, because it came out November 4th. It's oh. on Amazon. They did a preview in uh, Chicago in a theater. Uh, but it's on Amazon, it's on Vudu, iTunes, and it's uh, I-Z-Z-Y is the first name, and Lion, L-Y-O-N. Uh, and what it is, it's a mockumentary about the world's greatest sign spinner, who all of a sudden disappears. I play his manager, and uh, Greg Proops is in it, Rick Overton is in it. We love Rick. Uh, there's a lot of people that you look at and you rec uh, Jeff Davis from Whose Line, um, uh, so Lang Parker. There's a lot of comics and a lot of improv comics and a lot of really good actors. And it was a fun to shoot. We had a lot of freedom, and uh, and it's it's out. So it's a good uh, it's a good chuckle. Yeah. You know, if you got. Uh, so on, I, I went on Amazon to buy it. And what I've, or was it Amazon? Yeah. They don't I mean, give it to you for free? I could have had, I mean, I'll probably get one from the producers. Yeah. But I wanted to support it. I also wanted it here. So when people come over, I don't have to buy it over and over. <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, the rental price. Right. So, but it was a fun movie to shoot. It's about... Uh, um, a sign spinner who would they, and there's lots of mockumentary stuff in it. They talk about the British invasion of the sign spinners, you know, that had, uh, you know, different groups and we there were funny names for the groups. Yeah. Like Jerry and the sign spinners instead of, I don't know how far back you guys go. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 87. Alan's age. We still don't know, but <laughs> Well, if we cut them in half, we can cut the rings. <laughs> <laughs> now, you said you played a man, uh, you play a manager in this. So, like, uh, how, how did you, like, get into that character because you're a comic? So did you just, like, use, like, your previous managers, like, and then put it all in one? Well, the schlocky ones. I put the schlocky ones all in one. Yeah. I kinda, I'm kind of a schlocky over-the-top manager car wash owner <laughs> oh. and I discover my, the sign spinner in front of my car wash 
Yeah. He goes on to, you know, selling out stadiums. And uh, then there's, uh, he, he signs spins and actually spins them so fast he can fly. Oh, uh, my God. And uh, there's a, a rival who leads to his disappearance. And then we, there's a small group of, of us, his leader of his fan club and myself and a few other people that, uh, and his, uh, that try to find him and get him in the Spinter National Hall of Fame. Yeah. So I hope I didn't give away too much. Now you know everything. No, that that sounds. I, oh, I I heard I heard that people in like rather watch something where they know the ending. You know what I mean? So they could watch it instead of oh. it. like they enjoy spoilers. That's what I heard. Well, there I didn't give away the ending, but talking about that, <laughs> I got to tell you the, the the thing that probably might contradict that. Years ago, my wife and I were in a theater, and on uncom- on comes the trailer. For Titanic. Oh, my God. And I tell my wife, this is going to be the biggest bomb Hollywood has ever seen. Everybody knows how it ends. Why right. would anybody go to this? <laughs> I said, and how do you make it romantic? I said, this is going to be. So I can always point to that as I'm not always right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think the big surprise in that movie was uh, they made Leo die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, they, like, oh, this guy's actually going to survive? I don't know. But Well, years from now, they can do a sequel. They bring it. He's frozen. They unthaw him. They <laughs> learn to bring him back to life. It's a good premise. I'll tell you, talking about freezing, you know, my uncle just paid to have cryogenics done. That's where Ooh. they freeze you when you die till they find you what you died from. Right. And yesterday, he died of hypothermia. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do you believe in that whole uh, freezing thing? Because I, I heard Walt Disney's frozen and he's just oh, waiting, yeah, you know. Walt. Yeah, that's what they say. They say he's frozen. Hey, you know, give it a try. <laughs> Nothing you lose. Yeah. Well, and they're the- going to actually be able to try it as the Arctic starts, uh, starts unfreezing, starts melting. They're going to find animals, mastodons and... And people, I think they found a few already. You, you might thaw them out. They pop up and go, what the? And then pass them. Yeah. See, if I were to get frozen, that would, that would be the thing that scares me is like, say I'm frozen under a rock or something and a spider comes into my frozen cube or whatever. You know what I mean? I get, I get all mutated and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I wouldn't want that. Well, Listen, wow. You, you could talk- buy those, remember? You could buy those. <laughs> The fly in them, they were plastic. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, very good or, idea. For a spider to go through ice like that. that <laughs> it's gotta be an amazing ice spider. I guess the only way we could do that is piss and it'll like go away a little bit, then stand there and piss some more. <laughs> it'll take like spider piss to like work its way down in <laughs> spider piss. <laughs> And then the other movie that you have coming on, which I had to dig in, is called Faith Wins, and it's with the great Rich Little. Mm. He's in it. Rich Natoli's in it. John, wow. there's a lot of uh, good people. It's a faith-based film. Um, I think I'm the only Jew in the film, uh, <laughs> but it's 
It's not heavy handed. Yeah. It, it's a very light faith based film. Uh, very well done. It was done on a very low budget. Uh, and uh, but I've seen the preview. There was a preview in Vegas a couple of weeks ago and it played very well. And that, I think, comes out in January or February. Oh, okay. uh, in that one, I play kind of one of the leaders of a homeless encampment. So, oh. so that's actually, to be honest with you, which up to now I haven't been, uh, to, be honest, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I normally can't watch myself on film. Yeah, neither I'm, can I, yeah. But this faith wins. I, even my wife said, hey, you can act. She never likes my acting. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was, um, I had a lot of fun shooting it. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's a, a fun little film. Now, you talked about how, like, uh, this one's an independent film. And you've, you've done both from independent and mainstream. I wanted to ask you, because you, you did at UCLA, you did your own student films, which is probably independent. So like, how did you, like, how do you transition to that? Like, do you feel when you see a script or something, you know, it's going to work out? Well, when I was at UCLA film school, I made my own films and my student films had Robin Williams, Dave Letterman, Jeff Altman, because all of us were working at the store. Nobody really knew who we were. This is like 76 to 78. So, um, yeah, I have, it's loaded with guys that went on to be Saget, Shandling, guys that went on to become huge. And uh, I, I still actually shoot my own stuff. As a matter of fact, I have a channel on YouTube called Personal Stash. And... Uh, it's all the stuff that I own that I've shot over the years. I've got pieces. I've got one piece called Clown Away that's got George Carlin, Bob Saget, Gary Shandling, Carrie Snow, Bill Kirkenbauer. Uh, so a lot of the stuff I just shoot on my own, whether I, I green light myself. If nobody right. else gets me, I green light me. And so I've got, I had a bunch of stuff. And uh, I haven't pushed it as hard as I can. There's 10 little episodes. Each one's three or four minutes of sketches that you can't see anywhere else. And then I also, uh, for four years, was at Comic Strip Live, Sunday Comics, and America's Funniest People. And I did my own film once a week for them or a live piece on stage. So, uh, you know, I enjoy doing short sketches. Uh, a lot. That's kind of my forte in the realm that I work in, even though I'm working on screenplays. Yeah. A lot of times are just a bunch of great scenes strung together. So nice. But as far as one or the other, you know, you have more freedom on an indie. You have more freedom on something I'm shooting. And when you're doing a studio thing, you're a hired gun and you do it. Try to give the director what they want. Right. Yeah. So you're not considered a difficult person to work with. So it's kind of like if you were in Titanic, you couldn't say, I don't want to die. Yeah. It'd be well, like, what do you say? What do you say we don't sink the ship? <laughs> <laughs> what do you say the iceberg splits and we just kind of go right through? <laughs> Anybody up for that? Huh? Hard to work with a guy like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh. <laughs> 
Now, now, Bruce, I, I saw a, a stand-up bit you did where uh, the great Don Rickles introduced you. Oh, that was a great bit. God, that yeah. was good. And I wanted to ask you, like, uh, do you remember when that happened? Like, were you intimidating that Don Vegas. Rickles is introducing you? Because I'd be no. scared. No, it was, uh, it was, you know, I grew up listening to Don Rickles. I remember as a teenager, a buddy of mine and myself uh, would listen to Don Rickle records, you know, in the bedroom with the door closed. Uh, laughing our, or actually covering our mouths so the parents didn't come in and say, what are you guys laughing so hard at? But I, you know, would get Don Rickles or Red Fox records mm -hmm. and we would just bust. You know, back then it was like just laughing because you got to hear dirty words. Right. And with Rickles, it was the insults. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, the first comics I ever saw live my parents used to go to Vegas a lot. But back in those days, you could only sit by the pool or watch TV in your room. You weren't allowed to even walk through the casino. But they took me to see Red Skeleton one night. And I remember laughing. Yeah, I'm a little kid at that point, maybe seven or eight. Very so who's your first comic you saw? Yeah, it was Red okay. Skeleton live. But my parents, when I was growing up, if we were in bed and there was a comic on TV, my dad would yell up, there's a comic on. If you're still awake, you can come down and watch him. And then it's right back to bed. So laughter was a big thing in our house. Being a comic wasn't even a choice. Right. But I saw Red Skeleton, and then the next night, my parents took me to see Buddy Hackett, oh. who is like the totally opposite of Red Skeleton. Yeah. And then you're laughing because you're hearing, you know, dirty words and dirty concepts. So it, it was it was a neat, neat. Uh, experience that I remember. I mean, I can still see them on stage. Don't remember all their bits, although I do remember Don, uh, uh, Buddy Hackett did a bit about taking a leak with uh, with Tom Jones. He says it looked like he had a frog in his pants, you know, <laughs> jumping around all over the place. But that's all I remember. And that had to be like, you know, over 60 years ago. But I that bit I remember. Uh, and, uh, you know, with my dad always calling us down to watch comedians, eventually when I was in college, I had planned on becoming an attorney, right. got my BA in political science. Then I went to film school at UCLA uh, graduate film school. And, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, uh, they did, well, every year they do this, the most depressed professions. And for years, dentist was number one. It was either really? number one or number two. I don't know. It was because they wish they were a doctor or they're just looking in mouths. I think they got it easy. They only got to learn from here to here. Right. <laughs> and they don't have to fuck with the tongue. Okay. So well, that, that's a different type of doctor, isn't it? Yeah. Tongue doctor. Yeah. yeah. You should see as long as I'm learning about the teeth, teach me about the tongue. <laughs> if it's really bad, they have to send you to a specialist. So maybe that's what depresses them. Is all they're really allowed to do is pull teeth and fill cavities. But a couple of years ago, comedian came across as the most depressed profession, to which I thought it was an acclaim because when I started, we weren't even a profession. Right. Now at least we're a profession, a recognized profession that can become depressed. <laughs> so 
I looked at it as a landmark, not a uh, something you want to be sorry about. Well, see, that was one question I did want to ask you because you started when, you know, when you when you started, there's maybe I don't know twenty comedians probably that were known, right? And then you start, and then the the bloom the the comedy boom happens, and then there's more comedians. And now you're in the comedy today's game. Like, what styles are you seeing that comedians are doing different or the same? Because I feel there's a lot of hack comics right now. That was yeah. my question. Yeah, I agree, but I don't like to badmouth anybody in the media. You know, if we're ever sitting down having drinks, yeah, name names. But uh, you know, back when I started, everybody kind of knew each other, and you knew every gig that was available because there wasn't that many. And if I may be so bold, and I think I'm going to be, uh, what really started the comedy boom, I believe, I don't know if you remember a show called Make Me Laugh. Yeah, yes, that you was were my, on that. You were on, on that. that. It was great. <laughs> Gallagher. <laughs> that was Gallagher, Shandling, Steve Bluestein, uh, Kirkenbaum, Bill Kirkenbauer. Bauer. And we're still we're very good friends. Uh, Staggett, Shandling, uh, I, I don't want to leave any, but Vic Dunlop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so up to that point, if you were on TV, say The Tonight Show or Merv Griffin, and you went to work the next morning and say, hey, did you see that guy on Merv Griffin or The Tonight Show last night? Oh, gee, I missed him. Uh, well, he'll be back in a couple months. Try to catch him. And that was that. With Make Me Laugh, you were on Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. If someone went to work on Tuesday morning and said, Jesus, did you see that guy on Make Me Laugh last night? Or the comics on Make Me Laugh? No. Well, they're on again tonight. Yeah. So by Friday, you, had an, you could see the numbers were going up if it was a good week. And clubs started opening up. Uh, there was Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. And then there was the Cleveland Comedy Club. Those opened up first. And they were only using basically guys from Make Me Laugh because we were only taping about two weeks in advance. So you could plug your gigs. Uh, they'd be sold out by the time you got there. And they were all using the eight or nine guys that were regulars on Make Me Laugh, wow. which meant we were going back every six or eight weeks, you know, and you had to write new material and all sorts of stuff. So, but then when everybody saw how successful the clubs were in Michigan and Ohio, they started spreading out. There came the funny bone came after that. So uh, I believe Make Me Laugh was a catalyst. Now they drew their talent from the comedy store, right. basically, and some guys from the East and some guys from the improv. But the comedy store was basically the bullpen that they they went to mule deer was another Gary mule deer was another one who did the show. I don't want to leave. I'm sure I'm think of others, but that kind of proliferated the clubs because there were names on TV that, that where, where the show was popular. People knew you could plug it immediately. And everybody, it, those days were crazy. It was like rock and roll. You'd go, to go to like Cleveland, there'd be people at the airport waiting for you. I'd never seen anything. You know, you're coming from the comedy store, when yeah. you're not, you know, and all of a sudden there's people. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, I remember the first time I played Cleveland, 
I pulled in, I got it. They picked me up from the airport and they said it was a 350 seat room. And they, it was like a, a, a banquet room at a, at a big restaurant. And there were two. Which is probably a lot back then because now that's like a normal club. Oh, 350 seats, two shows a night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I said, geez, have they sold anything? He said, well, we've got some seats left for the second show Sunday. And that was the first time I realized the power of television. Yeah. Uh, God, you know, you used to play in the comedy store and all of us. And the same thing happened in Detroit. People like Bob Seger would come to your show that got out and it, it just it just blossomed. And then it kind of centered around Ohio, other than the coasts, because you had the improv on the east, the comedy store on the west. And a couple little clubs here and there, the punchline in San Francisco. But up till then, that really was there was no like road. And all of a sudden there was a road. Now, like I said before, you knew every comic and every gig. You can open up the paper for, or the, the Internet for Los Angeles, and there's more comics and more gigs in one any one night than there were back then yeah. across the country. And I, I, I feel nowadays it hurts because, like, uh, you know, I'm in the type of my career where everyone I toured with, they they died. So, like, now I'm kind of like, where, where am I going to go? You know what I mean? And I, I feel like people don't want me because they just took me because the guys I toured with brought me in. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like that that's just uh, it's a very hard comedy game now when back then. All you had to do was be funny. It was word of mouth. Yeah. It, well, they don't have the same kind of people running clubs. The The manager was the owner and the booker and was there almost every night. But, you know, I, getting back to Rickles, if I may. May I? Yeah, definitely. I will. Um, always love Rickles. You know, I thought, he, you know, you couldn't be him today. That, right. That's an amazing uh, thing. That's true. Um but I remember when we were rehearsing for the special, we, we, I got picked for the special and uh, we were rehearsing in Los Angeles, a dance number, which aren't on most comedy specials. And we're rehearsing the dance. When we get done, I go and sit down and a lady sitting next to me says, wow, you look just like my husband would look if he had to do this. I said, oh, is your husband in the business? She goes, yeah, he's a comedian. I go, oh, what's his name? Maybe I know him. She says, George Carlin. Oh, my God. He said, know him. I said, <laughs> you know, I said, I am, whenever I'm asked an interview, my influences, it's Groucho Marx, Bugs Bunny, and George Carlin. <laughs> it's, so so uh, I got to be friends with George Carlin through that also. That was, uh, that was a real kick. He's in... Uh, some of my sketches and my film, The Adventures of Baby Man. So he's, um, that was quite an experience. Neither one of them are with us still, but uh, they were wonderful people. George was such a sweetheart. And uh, I actually shot a piece at his house called Clown Away. And the clowns were Bill Kirkenbauer. Uh, who else? God, Bill Kirkenbauer, Dick Bright, who's a phenomenal musician from up north, and a couple other comics. Was his Saget dog, a clown? Yes, Saget was a clown. Did I not say Saget? He strikes me as a good clown. He was a clown. 
Harlan was one of the clowns. And during one of our breaks, unbeknownst to me, they went into George's backyard and they were rolling a joint. And also unbeknownst to me, his daughter, Kelly, who at the time was maybe, I'm guessing 13, 14, 15, was videotaping through her window these clowns rolling a joint and smoking it. This is before Shakes the Clown. Right. And uh, we kid each other whenever we see each other. She goes, I, I've got that tape somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. So Now, do you have all these, uh, like, tapes that you did, like, on your YouTube that people can go see it at, at Bruce's you YouTube? Yeah, you can go to the easiest way is because is, if you – just do my name. It, it uh, you got to scroll a ways. I don't know why. All the way down the archives. That's, that's their algorithm. <laughs> if you go to brucebomb.com, there's a button there that'll take you there. Oh. And if you just go to YouTube and put in personal stash, if there's oh. any other personal stashes, I'll be one of the first ones there, and it'll be me with this hat. And nice. then you can go to there. So yeah, it's personal stash on YouTube. And it's um, it's it's about t right now. So I'm working on season two, yeah, which will feature what I call facial reviews. And that's <laughs> while one person eats, the other person reviews by their face how good the food is. Oh my god! <laughs> cool. Speaking of food, if I may be so bold once again, hot you know, sauce. Yes. Yeah. I make a hot sauce. I make this. It was totally accidental. I had head and neck cancer in 2012 and got through it and survived. And I, they say I'm cured. So but when I got better, uh, I, I wanted I, I, I ate better. I exercised and I couldn't. And I found out that hot peppers were a good uh, antioxidant. Right. So, uh, I, uh, I couldn't find any organic hot peppers. So I grew my own. And then after a couple of years, I grew, I made a hot sauce and I would take it to radio stations, just in a jar with, with a Sharpie that said noggin blast. And they kept saying, why aren't you selling this? Why aren't you? So I tried it and man, it just took off. So it's, I grow everything organically. Mm -hmm. Everything else is organically certified. Every plant is in its own grow bag and in a pot in that that rests in. So the underground stuff can't get to it. So if you go to nogginblast.com now, you'll see our, our holiday offerings. We've got ghost pepper from Christmas past. Wow. <laughs> We've got come all ye peppers and blueberries and noggin blast too. And then I've started making a rub. This is the uh, regular rub. It's not hot. But what I do is I put a ghost pepper in every bottle, kind of like the warm and tequila. And that way, if it's not hot enough for you, you can crinkle some of the oh. ghost pepper into it. And you don't yeah. the bottle. Yeah. That's and the one I would probably try because I'm, I'm not a big hot sauce guy. I like the mild, you know? Well... Yeah, I just I just sold out of a mild one. It was a Serrano Serrano uh, cherry. Was it? Oh, Serrano? nice. Oh, uh, or was it Serrano blue? Whatever. And then uh, 
this is the holiday seasoning. Just put a little extra cinnamon and nutmeg in this. But it's not hot. I didn't I didn't want someone to put it on their meat or fish or vegetables or another person and and uh, and then go, ah, I've ruined it. It's way too hot. This way you can use the hot sauce to dip a piece in when you're done. Or if it's not hot enough, go to your ghost pepper. So, I just I just thought of a, a funny joke when you said or another person. I was thinking because I just finished watching Jeffrey Dahmer. I was uh, like, oh Jammer, I call you. How many people did he eat? Oh I I don't know. You know how like Netflix kind of like makes more victims for the story, you know what I mean? But uh I think he ate like 35 people. 35? Yeah. I ate a lot, yeah. I can understand one or two. <laughs> but 35, you're eating just to eat. But if he had your hot sauce, maybe that's why. There you go. At least slow him up a little bit. <laughs> uh, maybe bring somebody back to life, too. <laughs> hot cryogenics. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you, you, you kind of skimmed through uh, Baby Man, but I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what gave you that idea to 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 do that great character well this was way back before make me laugh this had to be like 78 79 at the westwood comedy store i was just thinking myself okay what would look funny i was you know right now i don't do all props i do a lot of stand-up but back then i had a lot of props right and i thought well i could spoof the superhero genre but i don't want to just do a suit i want to do you know, if I'm going to spoof, it can't be someone that could, you know, save people as they were falling, but he might be able to fix a parking ticket. Uh, so I thought baby man. So I put on a, uh, a diaper underneath my clothes. I used to come out, if you saw the Don Rickles thing with a giant orange bag, uh, I would go in fully clothed and and go in to impersonate a stand-up carrot. And then when I was done, I would say, when you're in a fix, when you're in a bind, there's only one crime fighter to call. And I would drop the bag and I would be there in my diapers without really moving the bag that much. And that got a big laugh. And then I wrote bits for it. The very first night I did it in Westwood, Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie were in the crowd. I think it was right after Carrie or one of the, another movie oh. they did together. And the it was it was the it just killed unlike yeah. anything we ever did before. You know, back in those days, the world was our playground. You could say or do almost anything on stage. There's things I did on stage then that I could never do now. Um, but uh, so yeah, it 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 killed. And then I had to go home and write more work, more pieces for it. Do you, do you think that the the adventures of baby man uh kind of like uh inspired the the captain underpants series i've often wondered that because i had a comic book i should have it's in the other room but i got a comic book the adventures of baby man born to be raised i had an album born to be raised uh as with some baby man song the ballad of baby man and born to be raised uh so you know, it was something. And then after a number of years, because uh, I didn't want to get known as just Baby Man. 
Right. So I kind of dumped it and I still used props and still got big laughs, but, and now nobody I'm sure wants to see me in diapers. <laughs> Although in a few years I may be. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you also write a lot of books. Uh, you, you wrote one called On Hold, right? Where you, I, wrote, you wrote I wrote On Hold, which I only wrote when I was on hold. Yeah. I would come back. I would uh, do quick thoughts while I was on hold. Thoughts like uh, the Bible says an eye, uh, the Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But what happens if you get beat up by a blind toothless guy? <laughs> can you just can you just give him a wedgie and call it even? So, I, I I didn't want to bring this up because it just happened, but Gallagher just passed, and. Uh, with your hat, you look like Gallagher. Well, I should, you know, <laughs> I could send you a picture of him and I, if you're not, if you can insert it, because we were good friends. Uh, you know, we started out together, I would say from about 75 through the 80s, we hung out. Yeah. Uh, I uh, introduced him to his wife. Uh, we, we, we uh, when he had a girl, when he the woman before that, my wife and I, we socialized with them. Uh, did make me laughs, you know, different weeks, but we came to each other's tapings. Yeah. And, uh, you know, over the last decade or two, we've seen each other on the road or talked on the phone or through uh, Facebook, but it hasn't been like it was. Uh, he was brilliant, but he was one of the oddest cats around. Uh, he was, you know, but we, Vic Dunlop was a good friend of his, Bill Kirkenbauer, but Gallagher was, was a strange guy, but, uh, I liked him. I got along with him. And like I said, in the early days, uh, I remember what he, he got his second spot on the tonight show. He got bumped. I think it was a Valentine's day. He got oh. bumped for Steve Martin. And he says to me, and Steve Martin was playing the troubadour at the time. He says, let's go over to the, I want to see this guy I got bumped for. <laughs> so we went to the troubadour and watched Steve Martin. I laughed hysterically. He, he did his Gallagher sitting there like this. Uh, uh, he, he was brilliant. He figured out how to, Carson didn't like prop comics, mm -hmm. but he got on by making the Tonight Show home game. Right. Came on with a briefcase, opened it up, the desk and, and Johnny popped up. So I I uh I mean I actually almost have a cool Steve Allen, uh Steve Martin story, but Alan Lee is the reason why I don't have the story. I'm Alan, sorry. You, you wanna tell you wanna tell Bruce how you messed this story up? Well, it, it, I was in we were with Norm. Uh, Norm McDonald in San Diego. What's that cl club? It's like right there in the American center. American Comedy Club. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Norm is saying, hey, hang out with us, which we did. And, well, he's wonderful. Wonderful to hang out with. And he said, uh, and I looked at my watch and we stayed and I said, you know, I, I don't want to take up your time. You know, I said, let's, 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 let's get going. So he later calls back and, uh, and he tells Keith, well, why did you guys leave, leave so early? I, I had a, I had a guest coming and we were all going to sit down and and enjoy uh, each other. And that guess happened to be Steve Martin. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's how it goes when, you know. So 
I was, I was, I remember because I, at the time I was, I was one of Norm's openers, you know, so I was furious with Alan. I was like, Steve Margie could have saw me. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's, it maybe, maybe it was a good thing. Uh, Have you ever heard the story Norm McDonald told about me on the Daily Show? No. He, he's much better at telling it than I am. Yeah. You went to Comedy Central, did more, or if you just did Norm Macdonald, Bruce Baum would probably pop up on YouTube. But he's talking about how he was in a, I did a film years ago called Candyland with a K. And it was kind of like, uh, the best way to describe it is the flash dance for strippers. <laughs> there was a lot, it was, it was hard R. I mean, there was tits and ass, but there was no like, you know, insertions and stuff like that. Right. And, and no frontal male nudity. And I played the DJ at the strip club. Once again, I was the only guy that didn't get naked. So uh, Norm MacDonald says, and I know when people have seen that film because they come up to me and they go, I was in a hotel room last night. And I go, Candyland. So, <laughs> so this was back in the days where you you would they would give you previews right the movies they had available that you had to pay for and norm's talking about if you plan it just right you don't have to watch the movie the trailer can get you off <laughs> said, so i'm sitting there getting excited and you know i'm i'm just about ready you know he said they're showing the girls and it had sandal bergman in it if you remember her and one of the playmates of the year and uh, he goes, so I'm sitting there and he's doing a hand motion there. You know what it is? He goes, and all of a sudden, Bruce Baum comes on the screen. <laughs> he goes, not only can I not watch a movie in a hotel anymore, but I can't call Bruce. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Norm would. Norm was a beautiful man. He was one of my best friends. It's a shame what we've lost this year is a real tragedy because we've lost heavy hitters, influential heavy hitters. Well, not just that, just beautiful people. I mean, Saget was, he had the heart full of gold too. You know what I mean? Like, I was an usher at his wedding. I went back with Saget into the 70s also. Him and I were extremely close. You know, and then you get to the later years when everybody's on the road and you don't see each other as often. But we were always talking through, you know, emails and stuff. So that one was tough because that, that just shouldn't have happened. Yeah. He was such a good guy. Uh, yeah. That was one of the hardest ones, if not the hardest one. Yeah, when Norm passed, Saget called and texted me once a week until Saget passed just to see how I was doing. Wow. So it was just, wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have one more question for you, and I know Alan has one more question for you, but I wanted to ask you about The Simpsons. So like that, because like that's a show where you know you probably you know whatever you could care less, but like for people my generation, that was like the show. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, man. that was for me, too. Oh, I'm, okay. I go to, to a buddy's house, and we watch football, and when it's all over, The Simpsons, you yeah. know, 
I, we haven't done it lately since the pandemic, but before that, and I was a big fan of the Simpsons. So when my uh, manager at the time uh, called and said, by the way, it was, you know, who Steve Sharippa is from, from the uh, Sopranos. He played oh. Bobby Bacala. Anyway, he was, he was managing me and I also gave him his first film break. No. But anyway, he calls and says, the Simpsons want you to do a, a, an episode. And I said, well, where do I go to audition? He says, it's not an audition. They've asked you to do it. And I said, fucking A. I said, don't blow it. I said, I don't care what the money is, you know? Right. So uh, I got, yeah, I got to do it as me. People, when I tell people I was on The Simpsons or they get to, oh, really, what did you play? I can probably say I was me. Because <laughs> that not only validated me with my kids, but growing up on Bugs Bunny, I remember when they did a Bing Crosby character or a Frank Sinatra character in cartoon. Right. And that makes you live on, you know. My biggest thrill on that episode was at the very beginning, they say, you know, there's a comedy festival in Springfield and they list all the comics and I'm not on the bottom. <laughs> that was my... Who was on the bottom? Do you remember? Uh, I have to go again. It's I, no, I don't want to. Even if I knew, I'd probably go. I don't remember. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a picture. And I'm gonna put it up on the wall when, when everything when I can start putting stuff on the wall again. But I forgot. I was so enthralled with me being. I think Leno was the first one. Right. And the other people on the episode were Bobcat Goldthwait, Janine Garofalo. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I am. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm not the bottom. It's I so funny when they do, because I think I assume that that joke was for like what they do on festivals where they put like all the name comics. And then on the bottom, they'll say, and some other guy. Right. <laughs> guess. Could change. <laughs> I mean, it's not book yet. <laughs> and the other guy is for if one of these guys call out sick. <laughs> Alan, you got any last second questions for Bruce? Well, it's 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 uh, kind of an analytical uh, deal that I, you know, I've, I've watched his routines and what always got me was how his props contained the premise and the punchline in the prop. And I was totally fascinated by that. And uh, that's why I thought he was different than Gallagher because, you know, he the prop would be like the setup and the punchline almost simultaneously. It was to blow my mind. So I just wanted to compliment you on that. And, uh, you know, it was really, I was, it was one of my favorite things to watch you, how you would do that. It was like a, a magic trick. And, uh, you know, on, um, on the, uh, the movie uh, uh, where you played uh, uh, Ty the Rodeo Clown. Shakes the Clown. Yes, yes, Bob Goldwyn. Uh, that, when that was cast, uh, it, it, it has such a, you know, a wide range of people. And in fact, Paul Dooley was one of our guests who played Owen Cheese. And uh, was, was, there, was there a process of that or, or was it just that you knew each other? I mean, it's just some, a throw out there. I mean, you know, casting is casting. But anyway, I was just curious. No, there was, there was uh, and that was Adam Sandler. I think that was his first <laughs> film. That's right. Um, I went in and read for a part and I think I got this part instead. 
So I think he was bringing people in that he knew and had them read. I said, I might have read a couple parts. I might have read that one too. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But it was basically, let me see what my friends can do and I'll slide them in where they work or whether he had specific, I don't, I think I read for more than one part. And I don't know if Ty the Rodeo Clown was the main one. It might've been, but it was very, uh, you know, it was comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then the set, Bob lets you, as soon as he gets what he wants, lets you go ahead and, and improvise, add, subtract, whatever. So it was a, and plus there were comics around all the time. Blake Clark, guys from the store that you worked with. And um, funniest thing though, I worked on Comic Strip Live and I couldn't get Adam Sandler on the show. He doesn't know this. I don't think I've even said this. <laughs> but they didn't, they weren't crazy. There were lots of guys I said, you know, cause we did an, an episode where they had all the guys from Comic Strip Live from oh. Shakes the Clown on. Oh, and Bobcat was on my Tom Kinney. Tom mm -hmm. Kinney was in the movie who who's now the, the voice of uh, SpongeBob. Oh, so, and a ton of other stuff. So he kind of stopped doing stand up, but he was a, you know, a force. Uh, he's from San Francisco. Um, but yeah, it was it was and such fun to shoot, you know, and uh, Usually people, I'll, I'll, okay, here's, I'll, I'll tell you a story about Shakes the Clown. When the movie came out, there were clowns on coming onto the morning shows. And this is disgraceful. We don't smoke. We don't swear. <laughs> we don't do drugs. Oh. No, this is terrible. So I'm playing the Riviera in Las Vegas that week. The film is opening that week. Sure. And there's a clown convention. Uh, or during the day there's the in the big you know sure. halls there there's clowns selling fake noses and ties and, and there's gigs <laughs> and people to hire people so at night I tell the MC because the clowns are like a big part of who's at the hotel don't mention I'm in Shakes the Clown on my intro right <laughs> I lose the crowd <laughs> Film just opened and I can't mention it. Right. So I go back to my room one night. This is after the clowns have all said we don't swear or cuss. And there's an earthquake. I guess it was centered in Big Bear. And I've been through enough earthquakes living in LA and I was in the San Francisco one that I just kind of, I was up on a higher floor and just kind of opened my door to see how much the building was shaking. Was it safe? I opened the door and these clowns must have just finished their last seminar or whatever. But there's like 15 clowns running up and down the stairs with their shirt off, but their big shoes still on, their nose on, but their pants off, their pants on, but their hats off, all running. Like, the fuck are we going to do? What the fuck is this? <laughs> and I, I it was before... It was before cell phones or I would have it on film. <laughs> That's funny. What the fuck? Now, now, Bruce, we want to respect your time, but where can the folks at home follow and support you? Well, on Instagram, I'm at, at Bruce Baum Comic. Uh, on Facebook, I'm Bruce Baum. Yeah, I'm Bruce Baum. And uh, on YouTube... 
You can get me at personal stash. I've got 10 little sketches from season one. If you want hot sauce, you want to go to Noggin Blast, N-O-G-G-I-N-B-L-A-S-T.com. And you can put yourself on the mailing list. We don't, I don't give it to anybody else. It's actually guarded with somebody else's life. Oh, and, cool. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think anything else would sound like I'm trying to hawk stuff. Are you, you going to, I'm sorry, I know I said I had uh, no more questions, but are you going to go back, with, you know, since things are opening up to doing the comedy again, like full swing? Yeah, but I'm trying to put together a one-man show. Oh. So kind of oh, give great. a history and still be funny about it and go through and talk about some of the stuff we've talked about and also do stand-up, have video, make it a multimedia presentation. So I'm working on that. Uh, again, I want... You know, when I started in comedy, we were different. Right. There was nobody else doing it. It was a handful of guys. And now I still want to be a comedian. I still want to make people laugh. But I'm not crazy about the traveling and and the time off stage. So I'm going to try to do it more with videos, film, the Internet, and then go out and do a one-man show once all that's going. Awesome. awesome. Sounds like a great plan. Sounds like a great plan. Well, Bruce, thanks so much for rifting with us. It was awesome. Thanks. Sorry it took so long. Oh, no. It was awesome. I didn't have to repeat myself like I did on other shows. Fantastic. <laughs> well, we hope you had fun, and we hope you, you'd come back sometime. I, I did, and I will. Awesome. Well, Bruce, have a great day, and we'll talk to you later, buddy. Thank you, you Bruce. Happy Thank everything. You. All right. All right, Rifters, that was an interview with Bruce Baum. Subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Alan, you got anything to say to the folks at home before we jet out? Peace out and respect clowns. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next week. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio.